I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Joshua DeTilio, author of Healthy You, Healthy Team, Healthy Company, How to Implement an Employee Wellness Program in Your Organization. Nothing is more important to your company than your employees, and nothing is more important to your employees than their health. A wellness plan can keep your team happy, fit, and motivated while lowering business costs and increasing efficiency. Joshua DeTilio presents an essential how-to guide on building and maintaining your own wellness plan. In eight stages, ranging from learning how to be an inspiration, to incentivizing participation, to using data to refine practices, he shows you how to increase loyalty and morale while decreasing healthcare costs. He has more than 16 years of experience in healthcare and hospital administration. He has a master's degree in business administration and public health from Vanderbilt and Harvard universities and is the current chief administrative officer at Gulf Coast Medical Center. Welcome to the show, Joshua. Nice to have you, Eric. Thank you, Catherine. Great to have you. Thank okay, you, lots nice of good information. <laughs> Um, first things, what, you know, I guess my first question is, I, I also found out, or I have this, I have in my notes that you're a West Point graduate and that a West Point mentor uh, was the person who woke you up to healthy eating and got you interested in a, uh, a, a significant lifestyle shift. So I'm assuming at that point you didn't, weren't eating well, weren't, uh, engaged in healthy wellness practices, and then suddenly you had a change because of this mentor. Is that true? That's, that's exactly true, Catherine, um, and thanks for bringing that up. Yes, when you're, um, when you're a younger person, you generally don't always eat well, and, and that was kind of the path I was on. I was, on a, I was a swimmer, and we were just encouraged to eat as much food as we could for energy and carbohydrates and, and often not the healthiest options. And I did have a, a classmate at West Point that um, was much more into healthy eating, and I often would pass on the vegetables when we were having meals, and and he was he was disappointed in me, and I kind of looked up to him as a mentor, and said, you know what, maybe uh, maybe I need to eat my vegetables, just like all of our mothers told us. They all told us to eat our vegetables. So that was really kind of what got me started in the, on that path to wellness. Um, yeah. But if you're swimming, and I'm assuming you're swimming for West Point? I did. I did swim for West Point. So swimmers, because I, I have a son who was a swimmer, you have to eat a lot of pasta, don't you? I mean, you burn up a lot of energy. Swimmers are thin, or they tend to have that thin body type. And he, I, I know that they were always, they had to pack in the pasta before they had a meat, for instance. But they burned those no, calories. That- yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly true, and, and we were definitely encouraged to eat a lot of pasta and a lot of carbohydrates. But you know, as as I've gotten older, and as we all, we've all gotten older, we've learned that you know we can't eat too many too many calories and too many carbohydrates um, because they can translate into you know unhealthy habits down the road. But at the same time, when you're young, I think you're much able to process with a higher metabolism, more food, um, and and less healthy food as well. So I think that that was kind of the lesson learned there, but you can eat a lot and you can eat a lot of carbohydrates, but you can do it in a healthier way too. Yeah. When you, I think as you age, your body is less forgiving. 
<laughs> Let's put it that way. I, uh, I, yeah. I agree. <laughs> All right. So we'll start with there because most Americans, I don't know, three quarters of Americans are overweight and a quarter, I'm, a third of them are obese. So oh. we're not, we don't seem to be getting, uh, going in the right direction, I guess. Um, that's why your book is important and you've been successful, I'm assuming, in presenting these health, these plans and in businesses. So let's talk about that. How do you get people to do that? Because most people are not in that kind of a position. They're, uh, you're not even allowed to say fat. It's called fat shaming. There's a whole lot of social problems associated with admitting that you have a weight problem or that you're not eating the right stuff or that you're overweight or, or that you're obese. Yes, Catherine. I mean, you're exactly right. And, and you're in healthcare, and you know that especially healthcare and healthcare workers are some of the biggest offenders. You know, if you if you ever worked in a hospital, you know that there are all kinds of treats and goodies, cookies and cakes and candy constantly. So it becomes very challenging to eat a healthy diet. Plus, you're you know we're we're all very busy. We're all on the go. So just grabbing what's quick might not be the healthiest option, but that's what's readily available. Joshua, I'm going to give we, you an um, example uh, of, uh, you say if you've worked in healthcare, since I've been, did hospital social work for many years, but then I had recently, and I, I love and respect all the nurses and, and all the healthcare workers, but I went to get a colonoscopy, and the nurse was probably 300 pounds at least, both all of them, and I'm, you know, 105 pounds. And I heard her yelling to the other nurse, we got a, because she goes, I was the next patient in and she goes, well, we, we, we got a hundred pounder here. Like I was a, <laughs> an anomaly, a hundred pound yeah. fish. But anyway, I always found that funny because I was in the midst of all these very overweight people working in hospitals and working in healthcare. Uh, don't get me wrong. They're doing a good but job. Yeah. But your, your, your analysis is correct in, in when you, you started out. You said that you love all healthcare workers, and, and I do as well. And the reason we love healthcare workers is because they're givers, and they want to take care of other people, and they often neglect themselves in favor of taking care of other people. So they, they don't do a good job of you know, getting their rest and eating the right foods and, and maintaining their weight. So hospitals and healthcare workers are, are big offenders, and that, that's what you saw you know, when you came in. So let's talk about uh, healthy uh, wellness programs. How do they work? How do you get people involved in sticking with it? So really, my, my book outlines kind of a process, and I won't go into all that detail, but really it starts with, with leadership, and it starts with, with you. Um, as the, the CEO of hospitals, I'm the, the person that everyone is looking to to see you know, what we should be doing. And if I'm leading a healthy lifestyle and maintaining my weight and exercising and pursuing a healthy life, then they're going to be more encouraged to do that as well. So that's kind of the first part is really having your top leadership as well as your other middle management leadership kind of bought into let's, let's get healthier. And really the thrust is the reason is because if you have healthier employees, if you have healthier leaders, they're going to be more productive. And if they're more productive, your organization is going to perform better in a multitude of areas, um, whether they be patient experience or finance or, or growth, you know, whatever it is. So, uh, and, and they're also going to be much more engaged employees. So really outlining that for them is important. The next step 
really, again, is getting that leadership team involved. You know, this is, this is important to us, messaging it constantly, a lot of communication. And then, really, the, the visual is in the cafeteria, out on the floors, that we are providing healthy options as well. And, and there's always individuals and, and workers that, that want the unhealthy options. So we're not going to eliminate those, but we're going to provide more healthy options, more choices. And, and sometimes when we're doing free meals and when we're, we're handing out snacks, you know, in our food cart or whatever, we're going to hand out more healthy options. And so um, it starts to kind of build momentum that way. And then down the road, and we can talk about this, you get into, you know, various incentives and, you know, potential bonuses from health plans, tracking data, trying to understand. Well, what, I'm interested you know, who, in that because what are but, they? I mean, I've been in several hospitals for different, not myself, but visiting. I had a grandson who was, he's fine now, he's great, he's six, but he was in the NICU. He was born a few weeks early and sitting there just in the waiting room in the NICU, there wasn't one healthy thing to eat. It was all the junk stuff that was in the, you know, the, in the machine. That, and th- those were the only choices except for maybe a cup of coffee. And you could go down in the cafeteria, and there were some healthy choices, but I would say 60, 70% of them were not healthy choices. Now, that's just one hospital. But so I'm really curious is how you do incentivize these um, institutions to to change their whole cafeteria menu. And. isn't it interesting? I mean, you, you would think when you go to a hospital yeah. that there would be he- healthy choices and we would be serving the patients healthy food. And, and, and we do, I think, a better on the patient side. The employee side, we, we tend to try and give them what we want. As far as the incentives, we, we had different competitions. Um, we had different speakers come in to talk about healthy living, both, both physicians and non-clinicians, that really spurred a lot of interest. When, when everyone hears from the professionals that have had success and, and have shown success both, both from, a, from a health standpoint but then from a clinical standpoint because there, are, there is a lot of data now showing that if you eat better, if you, you are healthier, then you're not going to have as much chronic disease. You maybe not have to take as many pharmaceuticals, you know, whatever it is. Um, so, so th- those really helped as well. And then with, with our hospital, we had an internal uh, health plan, which everyone was on, and we created different uh, bonus and, and, and different incentives from a wellness perspective, um, where if they met certain things and thresholds, and a lot of insurance companies are, are doing more of this now if you see your primary care doctor once a year, and if you, you know, maintain a certain BMI, and if you, you know, don't smoke, you know, things of that nature. And so we created some of those, and, and that really was the big buy-in. And when I, think, when I think there's monetary incentives, I think that's what really gets a lot of people excited as well, too, to participate and to get healthier. Isn't it true that, uh, Joshua, that um, those uh, who – obesity is one of the number one um, reasons that people, besides being uh, older or elderly or over 65, uh, die of COVID, that obesity is very much tied into how yes. – Yeah. 
I mean, it would seem to me that would be an incentive to stay well and eat well, well and yeah. No, and, and you're, you're spot on, Catherine. That's what we really learned throughout COVID, that if you have chronic disease, especially obesity, especially cardiac diabetes, which are all potentially interrelated, then you're going to have a much worse um, effect of COVID. And, and that's exactly what we saw. Now, I think COVID really helped us um, in certain respects that a lot of people got healthier. They realized that they needed to change their lifestyle and they're moving in that direction. And so I think there's a portion of the population that really has done well, but I think there's also a portion of the population that were stuck at home and eating a lot more, not working out, that, that it affected the other way. So I think it's brought to the forefront, really, that the two most important things in our lives are our family and our health. And maybe our health is even more important because if we don't have our health, then we won't even have our family. So I think COVID was helpful from that respect, but also not helpful because we were a little bit isolated eating a lot too. Yeah. It's also the myth that uh, to eat healthy, that you have to have a lot of money uh, and a lot of time. So it takes time and money in order for one to, to eat healthy meals. That's a myth. That's not true. Let's give the reasons why yeah, that isn't true. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. that. That's a great statement. And, and that, that is really a big misnomer out there. Um, it's, it's important to eat very simply, right? It's important to eat your fruits and vegetables. Like, we all know that, but we've really gotten away from that as a society. Fresh fruits and vegetables, beans and rice, you know, very inexpensive, very simple, but full of, full of protein, um, you know, th- things like that. I mean, we just need to eat simpler, not these big, complex meals. And we need to, you know, yeah, that, that's a great point. I agree with you. So is, is that something that's part of the wellness program? I mean, that's how you, when you're trying to, I'm using the word convince, but you're trying to get people to, to live a healthier lifestyle. Of course, yes, they perform better in their business, businesses. They perform better with their families, as we discussed. So it, it is critical. But you, I think, do you really specifically show people that it's not, you can eat just as cheaply, if I, I don't want, I don't really like using that word, by eating well and eating the fruits and vegetables and eating, you know, smaller portions than if you are, you know, grabbing fried foods at, uh, at uh, drive-in places. Um, how do you present that, I guess, as part of your presentation to to the to employees the best the best avenue we had with that was we had a um a third-party company come in that did a six-week group essentially it was a group therapy type program and it it cost six hundred dollars but we we subsidized half of that so we we paid 300 as an organization then the the employee was responsible for the other half so it gave some gave them some skin in the game and this program really did a deep dive into healthy eating, various options, and had them go out to grocery stores and purchase their food and purchase different foods and really analyze what it was costing them prior and what it was costing them now. And in every case, they were spending less money, um, you know, eating more simply and eating more fruits and vegetables. Um, and, and, and that's really, again, that's really the thrust. I mean, there are a lot of, I, I don't, 
prescribed to a specific diet. Um, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of them out there, but the bottom line is eat more fruits and vegetables. And I'm, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a, I'm not a clinician. So it's not, um, it's not uh, professional advice, but just from the results that we saw, people that ate more fruits and vegetables as a major portion of their diet did much better and were a lot healthier. Well, give us some specifics. Give us some personal antidotes, you know, of people, of uh, for examples that you've encountered in, in, in you know, promoting these pro- this program. Yeah. No, one, one story um, that always was uh, exciting to me, we had a... Um, we had a, a nurse that was very overweight, you know, probably 250 pounds and was really, you know, struggling to be healthy. And I'd been at the hospital about a year and we were really starting to ramp up kind of the wellness program. And, and he approached me and um, he, he said, Josh, you know, he's like, I, I really want to get healthy, but I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. Um, and I, I had, worked with um, another employee about two months prior who had had great success in reducing his, his weight as well as his, his cardiac disease. And he'd been going to his doctor and getting regular checks and, and just, you know, living a healthier lifestyle and eating better. And in about three months, he had gotten off his medications. And so um, I paired them up, you know, with, with the other gentleman as a mentor and this nurse really took it all in and he got, he also became part of the group therapy program where they taught healthy living. And over the next nine months, he just had great success. He, he dropped his weight down to 165 and he was a normal weight. And then through that process, he also started working out more. He started getting more into fitness and he started getting more into just the mental aspects of health as well, too, in terms of meditating and, and things like that. And what we saw with him is he had great success, and he, he ended up doing marathons. You know, he just and, – and he did a couple of triathlons, too. And from, from not being able to get off the couch, you know, in nine months to be doing marathons was just amazing. But what we saw was that once you start eating healthier, you start potentially feeling better – you start losing some weight, and then you want to go work out. You want to move your body, and that feeds into it as well. And then, and then, then you kind of get the, the mental aspect, too. You're saying, you know what, I'm taking care of my body. I'm feeling good, but I want to take care of the mental aspect. So, you know, really mind, body, and soul. And it, just, um, it all just kind of feeds together. And you really just saw that, that people really want change. They just don't, they don't know how to get there so that they can have a mentor or a guide. And for me... Just, you know, being, I like to use the, the phrase, the lighthouse, you know, just being that lighthouse and being lit and being ready because no one is going to change. No one is going to change their lifestyle until they're ready. And unfortunately, sometimes it's when they have an event, if they have a heart attack or if they, you know, they have diabetes or, or, or something, um, hopefully we can, we can make a lifestyle change before something happens, right? Because that can be, that can be very detrimental, but Everyone's going to move in their time, and if you are that lighthouse and if we have people that are lighthouses that have had success, then more people will come to them and say, hey, how did you do this? Can you help me? And that's really how it grows grows from there. 
So, so simply put, people, as you're saying, really do want change, like the nurse that you described, and you just show them how to do it. And I like the way you show them how to do it because it's that hands-on, person-to-person, taking somebody to the grocery store, making it real, putting a face mm-hmm. on it. That is so critical. Instead of showing people statistics all the time, maybe you have to show the the CEOs of the company, the statistics and how morale works and increases productivity. But when you're actually dealing, as you're describing it, dealing with the employees, show me how to do it. I, the statistics aren't going to do it. I mean, you you look at them and, and then you forget about them 10, you know, 10 minutes later, right? So yours is really a hands-on yep. approach, literally. Yes, no, exactly right. Exactly right. People want to learn how to do it. And they are. They're willing so where do we go from here? Where are you going to go from here? I mean, it seems to me if this works, your approach works besides writing the book so that people can take a look at it and, and try some of uh, all of the uh, – do some of the work that, that you've been doing. Um, your, uh, I guess your book has been described as – or your process as a wellness revolution. Um, what does that mean? Well, I think I think it's we're really kind of at a tipping point right now, and where there is a lot of momentum around healthy living, and, and as we look at the younger generations, you know, Generation Y and the millennials, they um, they actively want to be more healthy, and they're doing their research and they're trying to find out what's best for them. And so, I think that um, really my my point in publishing the book was to talk about the success we had. And to see and to, to provide a guide for anyone in their organization that wanted to replicate that or, or have some tools at their disposal. Because, like you said in the beginning, employees and people are our most important asset. And as, again, COVID has taught us, and as we've seen over the last year plus, that people are not working and it's hurting our economy. And we really need to invest more in our people, no matter what organization we're in, and take care of them and not treat them as as numbers, as widgets, and really lead from the front. And one way to do that is through through wellness, because everyone everyone wants wellness. Joshua, tell me, because you just said that the next generation, um, Gen, the millennials, Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z, I forgot what they're called, but um, are they healthier? Are they eating healthier? Are they less uh, overweight or obese than, like, say, people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s as opposed to 50s, 60s, and 70s? Well, I don't, I don't want to make that generalization. I, I would say that, I would say that um, the baby boomers are a little bit more set in their ways, maybe because they're just older, and as we age, we know that we get more set in our ways, where I think the millennials and the younger generations are just more questioning of everything, right? And so they're not just going to do something because their parents did it or they were told to. They're, they're going out, they're researching, they're trying to understand. And that's why you see, I think, a lot of, a lot of healthier restaurants popping up and, and things of that nature because they really are, are patronizing those places, and that's what they want. They want healthier options. And so I think you're seeing that, you know, especially in restaurants, even even non-healthy restaurants are incorporating healthier options. So I think it's a movement, and I think the more people can get educated, the better we're going to be. Yeah, so that's what the wellness revolution is about. Um, 
I've noticed in restaurants they, and you can also you know you can say I, I want less. I always say I want less salt. It seems to me they oversalt everything, or even portion mm-hmm. control. You know, sharing. Uh, yes. You can share a, a, an entree with somebody rather than having to get this huge entree that nobody needs to eat. So yeah, and they give you those options. Anyway, only a couple minutes left. Lots more to talk about, but your book is is uh, help obviously helping in this revolution, healthy you, healthy team, healthy company, how to implement an employee wellness program in your organization, Joshua DeTilio. Uh, give us a website and or websites we can go to for more information about what you're doing and where yeah, we can get if the, you book. Want yeah. the book. If you want the book, you can grab it on Amazon. It's readily available there. I don't have a, a personal webpage, but you can find me on LinkedIn, Joshua DeTilio. Great. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Lots of good information. Thank you, Catherine. Really enjoyed it. I appreciate it. Yep. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Planning for college? 